Episode 79, Calories, Carbs, or Processed Foods. Welcome to the School of Weight Loss podcast, where we empower you to reach your healthy weight goals with less wasted effort, money, and time. This is the podcast that uses evidence-based tips and tools to simplify weight loss for the ladies who've tried it all. If you struggle with obesity or being overweight, you're tired of endless dieting and never reaching your goals and just plain tired with life, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, obesity medicine certified physician, life and weight loss certified coach, Dr. Emily Vinzant. Let's get this episode started. Hello, ladies. I'm just coming off of four days in the Columbia Cornell Obesity Conference, and I got to tell you, my mind is on fire with the growth that we're making in terms of recognizing the causes for weight issues. We haven't done a ton yet in fixing it, but we are finding out more and more and more. And as we find out more, there will be better strategies. There's good news. So I always feel like I'm in my best balance when I have all of these different aspects actively working in my life. So I looked at my last month and I did an obesity medicine conference. I spent a weekend with our ladies at our Healthy You Energize retreat. I went with my local ladies to a Christian women's retreat. And I gotta tell you, I'm feeling really balanced as we start this summer. And I wanna share a lot of that with you. So we're taking on a really fun topic today, calories, carbs or processed foods? What's the answer? What's the answer, ladies? I wanna share with you that this title is almost exactly the working title that a researcher named Kevin Hall from the NIH, National Institute of Health, titled his presentation at the Columbia Cornell Obesity Conference. And that probably doesn't matter to you other than I just want you to know this. There are people I really look to in terms of being true experts when we look at our obesity epidemic and our weight issues. Kevin Hall is definitely one of those people that I look to. He works for the National Institute of Health and is a huge researcher in this area. I actually looked him up. I couldn't even find him on social media. Maybe he's on it. But his bio says he's the section chief for integrative physiology and runs the Laboratory of Biological Modeling. My laboratory investigates how metabolism and the brain adapt in response to a variety of interventions to diet and physical activity. We perform experiments in both humans and rodents. Yeah, ladies, they have put people in the hospital for like a month at a time and fed them things to see how this works. Note, we likely have to take people out of their environment to get them to do that, <laughs> right? So they do experiments morally at a level that you and I really couldn't do. And I truly believe in a very unbiased way. There's a lot of people out there sensationalizing weight loss and they'll get on these topics and they'll go down a rabbit hole because it gets them a lot of following. And those aren't really the people that interest me other than to see sometimes what they say. And I always like for this podcast to be a space for you ladies. And I hope you see it as a space to be evidence-based and very fair. The good news from this conference is I was like 99% already aligned with most of what everyone was saying. But there were a few topics that came out that I was like, ooh, this we need to explore a little bit more. Calories, carbs, or processed foods. Kevin Hall called it calories, carbs, or quality. What matters most? 
That's one that's really interesting to me. So for those of you who've been following me for a bit, or maybe you've gone back to my first podcast episodes, you know that I used to do selection of diet with my coaching clients and patients in terms of some of the big names. Like you'd pick between paleo or calorie counting or low carb. Those were the options that we would find which aligned best with your tastes and what fit your lifestyle, and you would go down that path. And I changed that a bit ago, and partially because of this topic. The second reason is because people don't want to be associated with a diet the rest of their life. So we've gone to more individualized, energized eating plans in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. But I'm always interested to know, where are we at on the stats on this? We had low calorie, MyFitnessPal, calorie counting for years, and then keto became the rage, and going low carb or keto became the answer. And now we're having more and more research on processed foods, and now this new title that's hyperpalatable foods that's coming down the pike. So what does really matter? What works the best? And I think that probably Kevin Hall has the best research out there on this answer in an unbiased format. So I wanna give you a little bit of the background on it because I think it's so interesting. I promise not to completely nerd out on you guys because I like this stuff more than most people. (laughs) But I really do wanna share with you some interesting stats that we know because I think it will explain so much to you. Let's look at calories first. So this goes back, ladies, to that old adage that you could count your calories and you should be able to tell exactly how much weight you would lose over a certain time frame, and it would all work out mathematically. Now, we've known for some time that usually that isn't true. Most of you have probably calorie counted, right? And what I had my ladies do previously in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss was to just kind of go around what on average works for people and go from there. It was enough of a calorie deficit that you were gonna get weight loss, right? Even by doing that. So we went like 1200 calories a day, three meals a day, 400 calories a meal. That's pretty average. And if you're starting at 2000 calories a day, you're gonna lose weight. So that will work ladies for a bit. But this question is different. The question we're asking is does calories in calories out work? And does it work better than low carb or looking at the quality of foods? And here's what the research shows around calories in, calories out. It's not just that you're not watching them correctly. I always used to tell my ladies, we eat extra snacks, we eat extra bites, we underestimate the portions that we have. That's why calorie counting doesn't work. And that's part of it, ladies. But I also want you to know that the actual equations don't work with weight loss. What? The equations don't work with weight loss. That is so interesting to consider. Those old equations where we said eat 500 calories less a day, or here's what you should do on average, actually never really added up. That's mind blowing. They never added up. So I think so often in the past with all of these methods, ladies, we put it on ourselves, right? We're like, I'm screwing it up. I'm messing it up. I don't know how to do it. I'm not doing it right. And I just wanna free you all of that for a moment because the actual equations didn't work. Whoa. Here's what we know now. Those projections with weight loss didn't work because your body regulates your weight as you lose weight. It's called feedback regulation. And here's what the studies now show. For every kilogram, which is 2.2 pounds you lose, your appetite goes up about 95 calories per day. So you will want to eat 95 more calories a day. And at the same time, your energy expenditure, the number of calories you burn goes down by about 25 calories per day. 
So what that means is that the equation that says if you're at this weight, you need to eat this many calories. And if you eat this many calories less, you'll lose weight, doesn't work when you're losing weight because your body is adapting to the weight loss. And notice what I said, ladies. It's an increase in appetite and a decrease in energy expenditure. Increase in calories in, decrease in calories out for each 2.2 pounds you lose. And it's all a spectrum. So our bodies are actively adapting to the weight loss. Now, I know it makes no sense. This is not for this podcast episode to say, why do our bodies do that? (laughs) That's like, I promise I'll do a bunch of podcast episodes on this coming up because that's a whole different discussion. Okay, there's hours of that discussion. But suffice it to say that your body has feedback loops that adapt to weight loss. So this very simple equation that we used to say of calories, it's all about the calories, doesn't work. Even when you're trying to do it right. And the take home of that, and I'm gonna quote Kevin Hall on this one, is that when you eat fewer calories, the body becomes more efficient and burns fewer calories, even as your desire for extra calories heightens. This combination of rising hunger and slowing metabolism is a recipe for failure. So I just wanna circle back around with that one because I think so many of us are used to doing this type of weight loss plan where it's like, I'll just eat a prepackaged meal and it'll tell me how many calories and then I can just go from that to the next meal to the next meal to the next meal. It'll work for a bit, right? Like I said, if you're making a drastic calorie deficit, it's still gonna work. But in the end, what happens is you end up more hungry even eating the same meals with time. It's only a matter of time if you're just letting the calories determine your plan that it's not going to work. And so what happens? Weight loss slows, it may stop, you may see regain and you quit. So I think this is our most interesting proof that calories don't really work. They're not the best answer for weight loss. Like I said, it'll work for a bit while you're in a huge calorie deficit. But our goal here is to create sustainable weight loss, you living at your healthy weight goals for life. So let's move on to carbohydrates. If it's not calories, once calories in, calories out kind of went out, some of you may still be doing that, but a lot have moved on to this new low carb epidemic, right? And keto is the best example of that. There's a slight difference between low carb and keto, but it's essentially the same, ladies. So does that create better weight loss results? Is that better for your weight loss journey than looking at something that's a low calorie diet? And I wanna share with you all a really interesting study that was done on this topic. So they literally took people and they fed them for 14 days a low carb, high fat diet, and then they switched it for 14 days. They fed them a high carb, low fat diet. So the theory would be that if you were eating the low carb, high fat diet, and it was equalized for calories, meaning equal calories across the board. So we're taking calories out of it, we're giving them the portions that's the same amount of calories, whether it's a low carb or high carb, low fat or high fat diet, then the theory would be that the low carb diet would lead to more weight loss, right? And this looks at the whole insulin model of weight loss. So what has been hypothesized and what people have been saying is that it's this insulin resistance, it's the insulin overload that leads to fat storage that causes us to have the weight issues. So if you go low carb, you need less insulin and you should lose more weight. And they did see that. They saw that the insulin release after the meal in the low carb diet was less. 
these people were needing less insulin to digest their food because they ate less carbohydrates. But what did that mean for their hunger and their weight loss? They saw no differences in appetite. Their hunger, their satisfaction, their fullness, their eating capacity were the same in the low carb and the low fat diets. But what they found that was really interesting was that people who ate the low carb diet ate more and had higher calorie intake. They had higher calorie intake and they had less body fat loss. What? Less body fat loss on the low carb diet, higher calorie intake on the low carb diet. So although the low carb diet answered for insulin production, it didn't answer for more weight loss. I don't know about you, but that one surprised me. I mean, these were ladies, people who were pulled from their lives and put into a hospital type of setting where the environment was completely controlled for. I do think there's always the impact of what happens in real life for us. And I think likely what happens for a lot of us who have done the low carb diet is we just are more motivated. It's something new and exciting. We're likely to count it a little better and stick with it a little bit better because of that. But when controlling for high versus low carb, the weight loss isn't better. The insulin levels are better. So for my diabetic ladies or my pre-diabetic ladies or ladies with insulin resistance, that impact is there. But the weight loss doesn't equal. So when you're telling yourself that keto's the rage and I need to count macros and that's the answer everybody's got for losing weight, know that when they truly control for this, it's not. It may be the motivation you bring to it, but in and of itself, it's not better. In fact, it may even be worse. Not worse than the average American diet, but worse than a low fat diet in terms of how much food you'll take in to your body. Which brings me to our third point, which is kind of the newest thing that people are looking at. And I I don't think this is going to be surprising for any of you (laughs) to hear that processed foods are part of the reason we know we have an obesity epidemic right now. Hello. I mean, that's not rocket science, right? But let me give you a little bit of background about this, because even I got a little confused as to like processed foods, unprocessed foods, what is the difference? And there really are four categories. There's unprocessed, there's processed, culinary ingredients, which would be things like sugar, salt, butter. There's processed foods, which would be things like pastas, pickles, etc. And then there's ultra processed foods. And basically what we do through the processing of foods, ladies, is we remove the fiber and we add in salt, sugar, and fat. So I want you to think of it like this. A potato is an unprocessed food. As we progress on to processing it, we go through things like french fries, and then we go on to potato chips. We pull out all the fiber and we pull out a lot of the liquid. And we add on things like salt and oils and all of those additive things that make us want it more. We like it more, we want it more, it's more appealing. And I don't want you to get this wrong, ladies, because here's what I want you to consider. This can even be true in your diet foods. When we look at those meal replacements, are they ultra processed? Are you eating meal replacements that are things like pasta or keto chips? I always joke my sister about our keto potato chips. And how does that impact your weight loss journey? right? That's an ultra processed food that may be in the past you told yourself was low carb, so it would work for you. These ultra processed foods are about the quality of the food that you're eating. So when you look at a vegetable, you can look at this whole spectrum of what it goes through. Our meats, the spectrum of what they go through to process them. 
And we've known that processed foods are part of what's contributed to the obesity epidemic, right? We have more snacks available. People are eating all the time. They're easy to eat. They're very palatable. We love the tastes of them. We want more. But if you were to go from unprocessed to ultra-processed foods, the question is, would that impact your intake and your weight? So again, these studies looked at two-week inpatient trials of ultra-processed diet and then switching over to an unprocessed diet and vice versa. These were literally people who were put in the hospital and their diet was monitored. Here's what they matched for, because this is interesting. In the two meals between ultra-processed, that's like your potato chips, versus unprocessed, which would be like full potatoes, they matched for calories, fat, carbs, sugar, sodium, fiber, and glycemic load. So they matched for everything you could dream of. Because I know you're like, hey, they don't match. They matched for all of that. And then they looked at what happened. And here's what they saw. There was no difference in appetite. The hunger, the fullness, the satisfaction were all there. But the biggest difference was that they saw that ultra-processed diets increased the intake. And do you know how much by? 500 calories a day. 500 calories a day. In fact, many of the people in this study gained weight and body fat through this study. They gained weight and body fat through this study. And so ladies, it's really interesting. I think those stats are so interesting to consider that likely it is our ultra processed foods that are contributing the most to our weight issues. And you may be choosing a diet that still lets you have ultra processed foods in it. So let's take a look at like keto potato chips, okay? When you eat them, you want more. That's the real problem. There's an even newer group looking at this and it's actually through KU, University of Kansas, which is my home state, gotta give a shout out, looking at hyper palatable ultra processed foods. And here's what they know. The food industry gets this. Like they've had how much fat, how much salt, how much sugar you should put in things to make people eat the most. They know that. They just haven't really shared it with everybody else yet, right? So these hyper palatable foods are foods that have like salt and fat sugar and fat. So when we go from a potato to a french fry, we add in fat, we add in salt, we take out the liquid and we make it so that we can eat more before we get full. And there's more things attached to the food that we want to eat more of. That seems to be the biggest kicker in terms of our weight loss results. Here's the thing about ultra processed foods. They're cheap, they taste really good, They're really easy to make and to eat, and they're everywhere. In fact, a question came up to Kevin Hall about, could you even get someone in America today to have no processed foods? And he said, I don't think it's even possible. But it's not even probably necessary, ladies. You're going to cook with oils. You're going to cook with butters. Those are processed. They're not ultra-processed foods, but they are processed just to make them. And that's fine. The bigger issue comes to when you're truly going to things like, keto candy, keto potato chips, and all of those beautiful workarounds that everybody's selling you will help you lose weight. Because ultimately what that will do is stimulate the parts of your brain that make you want more, you'll eat more, and the weight loss will slow. I don't know about you all, but I've personally seen this happen in myself and in my clients. We start off really clean usually with our diet changes, and then with time we're like, ooh, but I saw that and I can have it. And when all of those items come in that you really know are trying to fit a diet version to give you the emotional fix you want, when those start coming in and mass is when the weight loss slows. 
it's not just an issue of calorie limiting it because you just want it so much more. That is the intent of ultra processed foods is we want them more. They hit on everything we desire. So when it comes down to it, ladies, that seems to be the biggest culprit. So I want you to just take a look this week. What's the take home? Because I always love these conferences. I love going to them. I love hearing what they have to share. And then I'm like, so what does that mean (laughs) for my daily life? What do I make that mean? Here's the synopsis. And here's how we look at this in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. You eat to energize your body, right? If you are just relying on calories in, you're likely not maximizing that. You're probably leaving meals hungry, especially if you're eating ultra processed foods to meet your calories, right? So you can eat 400 calories of French fries, but you're probably not going to be full and satiated and energized off of it. And know that the calories in, calorie out equations don't work. So if you like that to get started, great, but ultimately it won't be the long-term plan for you. For the ladies looking at low carb, It's probably your mindfulness and follow through with that plan more than the plan itself. It may create a sustainable path for you. For many of my ladies who I used to like low carb for, the path was sustainable because they liked dairy and meat. You can do that in an unprocessed, energized eating plan as well. But you're likely not going to be doing the keto potato chips and Swedish fish alongside it. And the ultimate answer is in the ultra processed foods, ladies, especially the hyper palatable ones that cross salt, sugar, sweet, oily, fatty. As I've gone further and further into our energized eating plans, I'm very cognizant to make sure our ladies are aware that the quote unquote diet versions of the American foods aren't really necessarily the best answer. They may get you started. They may feel more comfortable. They may feel more like you're at home, like it's not such a big change. And I'm not a believer that we all have to go back to like raw diets or anything like that because of the convenience in American culture. But the more that we develop ways to eat and energized eating plans that fit our lives, give us the energy that we want and are back to basics, the better your long-term success will be. And the studies support it, ladies. The studies are there. So think about that this week. Whether you've been actively working on weight loss, whether you're just getting ready to get started, whether you're reaching your goal weight and you're like, ooh, how do we get this to the finale and living there? Look for where you're having a ton of ultra processed foods and know that that's the first place to cut out. Is there a way that you could switch it out easily? Could you do a potato instead of potato chips? It's always available to you. And the creation of your energized eating plan will take you there when you stop telling yourself that there's all these rules and justifications outside of it. Woo, that's a lot of science today, ladies, but I had to share that with you because I think it's so incredibly interesting. And it was the most head-on comparison I've seen that was non-biased and true to form, the real research behind it. So if you have questions on this, leave me a review, ask me a question. I'm so happy to answer them in there and answer them in future podcast episodes. I love breaking down what I learn in my conferences in a way that makes sense for you all because there's beauty in what's happening in the obesity medicine world. Ladies, there's so many new things coming out and it's coming from all of this level of research. Some of it feels somewhat intuitive, but how that impacts your life may not be. You've been raised in a culture that's very ultra-processed, and you've even been taught diets look like an ultra-processed version of an ultra-processed food you were used to, right? Let's cut that out. Let's go back to what works for you, is sustainable, but looking to be cognizant 
of getting the health benefits from your eating by eating to energize your body. Have a great week, ladies. If you loved today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend who needs to hear it too. Leave me a review and click subscribe to get the latest updates on all my new podcast episodes. Ready to reach your healthy weight goals and drop the endless diet cycle? Head on over to emilyvinzantmd.com and learn more about working with me and Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, my virtual weight loss coaching program. The link is in my show notes. 